Tim Scott crosses the line by saying America isn't racist. So the racist left attacks him. Kamala Harris touts the Biden White House's 100-day record. And Joe Biden continues to promote useless mask theater. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from big tech with the VPN I trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, you may have noticed the big tech companies, they, they really suck. Like they, they spend a lot of time cracking down on speech they don't like. And then they target people they don't like. And then they use all of your data in order to monetize all of that. Well, whether you're talking about your internet service provider or sites like Google and Facebook, they're monitoring what you do at nearly all times because they are following your IP address. What is the best way to make sure that 100% of your data is encrypted so that you get the power over your data back? Well, ExpressVPN would be it. ExpressVPN creates a secure tunnel between all your devices and the internet, so everything you do online is encrypted. It reroutes your connection through a secure server. This blocks your ISP from seeing everything you do online. All they can see is you're connected to an ExpressVPN server, nothing beyond that. It's not just for your phone or computer. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It works on your tablets, smart TVs, even your router, so your entire family can always stay protected. I can't stress this enough. ExpressVPN is super simple to use. You just open up the app, you tap one button to connect. That's the whole thing. Every single person should have a VPN. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben to learn more. ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. All righty, so... Senator Tim Scott, he is the, the man in the, bo- in the boo box today. So Twitter is the boo box. Every so often, somebody just gets thrown in the boo box from Hook, and then we drop scorpions on them, and they scream from inside, and then we all laugh and cheer. And Senator Tim Scott is that man because Senator Tim Scott had the temerity to say something that apparently no black person in America is allowed to say, according to the mainstream media, which is that America is not racist. See, the mainstream media have bought into the entire racial essentialist argument that your race is your politics. Unlike religion, which actually comes along with a set of principles. And so if you say that somebody is Catholic, people typically say, okay, well, Catholicism is a set of principles. If somebody says they're Catholic, probably they mirror those principles. Same thing with being Jewish. Same thing with being Protestant. Okay, if you say somebody is white, typically that doesn't come along with a set of principles you must believe if you are white. But according to the left, it does. If you are white, you're inherently plagued by white supremacy. And if you are black, you're inherently plagued by victimization. And you have to think, what's more, that you are plagued by that victimization. If you are black, it is heresy for you to suggest that you don't live in a viciously racist country in which you have no agency over your own life. And Tim Scott makes them irrationally angry by saying precisely the opposite. And there's nothing new about this. The left has been extraordinarily angry at everybody from Clarence Thomas to Candace Owens for literally my entire lifetime. Anytime a black person has the temerity to say America is not racist, I have agency, I have freedom in my own life, I can make good decisions and I can get ahead in a free society under which equality of rights is the law. If a black person says that, the left loses its bleep. And and Tim Scott is just the latest example of this. So what did he say that was so bad? Well, in his response to the State of the Union address, that interminable, soporific ridiculous State of the Union address in which Joe Biden barely awake himself, put the rest of the nation to sleep, bludgeoning us into submission with lists of trillion dollar spending items and also suggested this old white man that America is systemically racist. Then Tim Scott got up and he said, well, no, America is not racist. And just because I've experienced racism in my personal life does not mean that America is completely racist, which is what mature adults think about the world. Just because a bad thing happened to you does not mean the entire world is against you. Just because People have been very anti-Semitic to me. It does not mean that all of America or its systems are anti-Semitic. So Tim Scott says this about being black in America. And this, of course, set off the left into a frenzy of apoplectic idiocy. 
A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. Okay, of course, every single word that Tim Scott says there is exactly correct. And this is what sets off the left. This is what makes them so mad. So he was subtweeting a couple of folks there. One of the people that he was subtweeting for sure was Ibram Kendi. So when he says it is wrong to fight discrimination with discrimination, that is a precise counter to Ibram X. Kendi, who has said discrimination of the past requires discrimination today. So Ibram X. Kendi not only disagrees with Tim Scott, he was basically being subtweeted by Tim Scott right there. Tim Scott was saying Ibram X. Kendi's perverse view of America and the, and the ramifications of Ibram X. Kendi's views are bad for America. Tim Scott saying that set off Ibram X. Kendi. So Ibram X. Kendi is an absolute grifter. I mean, this is a guy who's raised tens of millions of dollars based on the lie that not only is America racist, but that it is better for America if we treat every American by their racially essential characteristics, which is racism. Okay, so Tim Scott tweeted out that particular line from the speech. Hear me clearly, America is not a racist country. And Ibram X. Kendi then tweeted back, the heartbeat of racism is denial. We can hear the heartbeat clearly. Okay, so Ibram X. Kendi loves to engage. I mean, he's such a grifter. He loves to engage in these Kafka traps. So a Kafka trap is where you accuse somebody of a crime. It comes from Franz Kafka's The Trial. You accuse somebody of a crime. And then the person denies the crime. You say, well, if you really were innocent, you wouldn't be denying it, would you? Right, so the Kafka trap here is, if you say that America is not racist, this makes you a racist because you're denying that America is racist. Because only a truly non-racist person would acknowledge that America is in fact racist. You see how this works? Okay, now it makes no sense. It's full on catch 22 because there is no way to get out of that trap. It creates a completely unfalsifiable situation. It is literally the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail in which they decide that to determine whether a witch is a witch or not, if you throw her in the water and she and she floats, this means she is a witch and must be burned. And if you throw her in the water and she sinks, this means that she was not a witch and she's innocent, but sadly she's dead. That is how anti-racism works in Ibram X. Kendi's world. And by the way, he's a racist. Ibram X. Kendi is consistently saying things about how white people are inherently plagued with white supremacy. Ibram X. Kendi is consistently judging people on the basis of the color of their skin alone and suggesting that America's racial institutions are inherently racist because there's unequal outcome by race. Now, as I've said many times, you could, you could take any room in America, any room full of people in America, and draw a line along any angle in that room that separates the population in half. And you will find inequalities in that room. You'll find that on average, one group is taller and one group is shorter, or one group is fatter, or one group is skinnier, or one group has a higher IQ and one group has a lower IQ, or one group has more criminals and the other has fewer criminals. There is no line you could draw in any room in America in which the outcome on both sides of that line is exactly the same on all aspects that can be marked, right? That is just not the way that statistics work. That is not the way the world works. And that's particularly true when culture makes a difference which we know that it does. If you took a bunch of white people from Appalachia who are living in poverty and you put them next to a bunch of white 
upper class people living in Manhattan, they're going to have very different life outcomes. And that doesn't have anything to do with color. That doesn't mean that the system is discriminating on the basis of whiteness. This is the point that Charles Murray makes in his book, Coming Apart. He talks about cultural differences between white people because he said, listen, I keep getting ripped on for suggesting that culture makes a difference in the outcome of your life because people say that has to do with race. So I'm just going to write a book about white people. I'm just going to write about a book about how there are differences within white America in how your lifestyle makes a difference to your outcome. It doesn't matter. They still call Charles Murray a racist because this is one of their favorite things to do. You don't have to be related. This is just a religious worldview. And Tim Scott has attacked a religious worldview and the left sees him as a heretic and heretics must be burned. So it's not just Ibram X. Kendi, who is the high priest of wokedom. It's throughout the media. It's throughout the culture. To have Joy Behar lecturing Tim Scott about systemic racism. Now, there's a word that people on the left like to use about stuff like this, white-splaining. Joy Behar explaining to Tim Scott about systemic racism is just absurd at the highest level. First of all, Joy Behar cannot understand basic concepts. She really has a deficiency in in intellectually understanding things. But here she is attempting to lecture Tim Scott, a black man in America who acknowledges that he's experienced significant racism in his life about what systemic racism actually is. Tell us, Joy, who, by the way, dressed in blackface in costume, as I recall, and still has her job. Here she is. Now, Tim Scott... He, he, he does not seem to understand, and a lot of them don't seem to understand, the difference between um, a racist country and a systemic, ra- and systemic racism. They don't seem to get the difference. Yes, maybe it's not a racist country. Maybe Americans, the majority, are not racist. But we live in a country with systemic racism. Oh, well, it's not a racist country, but, you know, it's still systemic racism because... Even though America is not racist, its systems are racist. But you can't explain how the systems are racist because legal racism has been illegal in the United States since the 1960s. So as I've said before, the term systemic racism can mean a bunch of things. It can mean you're a racist. They don't say that. It can mean that every American deep down has implicit bias. They sometimes mean that. They could say that it means legalized racism, which is not true because that's been federally illegal since the 1960s. Or they can mean that history has consequences. And because it used to be that there was a lot of racism in the United States, that that has far reaching consequences downstream, which is true of all history. Right. It is always true that history has impacts in the here and now. But the question is how you heal that. And when you say systemic racism, the idea is there must be a, quote unquote, systemic solution. Well, that, but that's not right. The reality is the single best way to escape poverty is the same for every single American. Get married. Don't have kids until you're married. Get a job. That's it. If you do those things, it doesn't matter what race you are. You will succeed in America. You will not live in permanent poverty in America, statistically speaking, according to the Brookings Institute. But they don't want to talk about that, right? Because that puts personal onus on you. And so much of the left's belief in in what needs to happen is that you don't have any personal responsibility. The government has to take responsibility for everything. And Glenn Lowry has an excellent piece over at Barry Weiss's Substack about what systemic racism means. He says, basically, systemic racism is just a mushmouth term designed to foreclose all debate. He says, the people who keep saying systemic racism ignore the following truth, that America has basically achieved equal opportunity in terms of race. We have chased away the Jim Crow bugaboo, not just with laws, but also by widespread social customs, practices, and norms. When Democrats called a Georgia voter integrity law a resurgence of Jim Crow, it is nothing more than a lie. Everybody knows there's no real Jim Crow to be found anywhere in America. The phrase systemic racism does a grave disservice to blacks into the country. 
Here we are now, well into the 21st century. Our lives are being remade every decade by technology, globalization, communication, innovation. And yet all we seem to hear about is race. My deep suspicion is that these charges of systemic racism have proliferated and grown so hysterical because black people with full citizenship and equal opportunity in the most dynamic country on earth, says Glenn Lowry, who is black, are failing to measure up. Violent crime is one dimension of this. The disorder and chaos in our family lives is another. The irony is that so many of us decry systemic racism, even as we simultaneously demand this very same system deliver us. It's not just Glenn Lowry who's pointing this out. John McWhorter is pointing this out as well. He says, systemic racism, or its alternative term, institutional racism, became common coin as a designation in the late 1960s, just as the expression of overt personal prejudice was increasingly proscribed, and such prejudice itself waned ever more, leaving behind subtler kinds of bias less easily addressed. The idea behind the phrase is that inequities between whites and blacks on the societal level, such as in scholastic achievement, wages, wealth, quality of housing, and health outcomes, are due to racist bias of some kind, exercising its influence in abstract but decisive ways. As such, the existence of these inequities represents a sort of racism that must be battled with the same urgency and even indignation that personal prejudice requires. The problem is that sociology and social history are more complex than this interpretation of systemic racism allows. All race-based inequities are not due to prejudice. Moreover, all race-based inequities do not lend themselves to the kind of solutions that eliminating prejudice do. For example, to attribute black students lesser performance on standardized tests to systemic racism is an extremely fragile proposition. To simply eliminate the test as racist because black students underperform is an anti-intellectual and even destructive idea. McCorder says, I find the term systemic racism to be the most nettlesome term in the English language at present. It, it, it's nettlesome because the left constantly engages in, in, in semantic overload. This is their favorite thing to do. They pick a phrase and then the phrase means 10 different things. And then when you attack the most common use of the term, they say, oh, no, I don't mean that. Right? You'll say, yeah, systemic racism implies that the systems right now are racist. And they say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean history. You're like, well, okay, I agree that history has a lot of racism in it and that there are consequences to that. But the question is how we alleviate those consequences. And they say, well, no, no, no. But now you're denying that racism exists. Like, well, hold on. I'm using your definition. This is the game. The game, arguing with folks on the left when it comes to terms they have created out of whole cloth is like trying to nail jello to the wall. It is bound to fail because they are not attempting to be ideologically or intellectually consistent. All they are trying to do is trap you. The term systemic racism is a trap because the moment you attempt to define it, they shift the definition so they can continue to call you personally racist. They'll say, I'm not calling you a racist. I'm saying there's systemic racism. And then you say, okay, define systemic racism. They say, well, if you need it defined for you, you're a racist. Okay, so this whole game was just to get to the end point that you wanted to go to in the first place, which is I'm a racist if I disagree with you. We can all see that happening. And here's the amazing thing about all of this. When it comes to who the actual racists are in American life, who are the people who are actually pushing racial essentialism? Who are the people who are suggesting that the only reason that somebody like Tim Scott would be able to get a slot speaking opposite Joe Biden is because of his race? Who are those people? People on the left. There's a reason that Uncle Tim trended on Twitter. And there's a reason that people at Twitter allowed it to trend. Okay, because when they were petitioned, they took it down, which means they allowed it to trend. Okay, they allowed it to trend because on the left, it is not considered racist to be racist against a black person so long as the black person does not think like the quote-unquote essential black person is supposed to think. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that if you're a responsible citizen, you need to make sure that your family is taken care of. In case, God forbid, something happens to you, you need life insurance. It's just the responsible thing to do. Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers in one place and save 50% or more on life insurance. Once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions you have along the way. You can feel good knowing your family has financial protection. Getting started is super simple. First, head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes to find your best price. 
Since they're licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there's no hassle. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, Policy Genius will take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. The best part? All the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, the handling of paperwork, the unbiased advice, are totally free to use. Policy Genius can promise you won't leave their website feeling foolish. You could save 50% or more by comparing life insurance quotes. Feel good knowing if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. Go to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice and super important to get it right. And so then we get to the actual overt racism of many on the left. So Sonny Hostin, also of The View, also a, a political genius, says the only reason Tim Scott was chosen is because he's black, which is weird because I've been informed by folks on the left that that is the specific reason you should choose people to do things. Truly. We've been told that you're supposed to shop at Black-owned businesses. We've been told that we needed a Black female vice president, not because of anything that she'd accomplished in her career, but because she was Black and female specifically. Those were, Joe Biden said out loud, he was looking for those characteristics in a vice president. It's people on the left who suggest that Asian Americans should essentially be thrown out of college in favor of Black Americans simply on the basis of race. But apparently now it's bad if Tim Scott is chosen on the basis of his race. Now, the reality is that Tim Scott was not just chosen on the basis of his race. He was chosen on the basis of his viewpoints and experience, of course, which are independent of race. Tim Scott was chosen because he was the lead in doing criminal justice reform on the right side of the aisle. Tim Scott was chosen because he does have personal experiences with race. So he has some credibility when he says he doesn't believe that America is, is a racist country. But Sonny Hostin immediately goes to, oh, yeah, Republicans are doing this because they're racist. They picked Tim Scott, a black man, to deliver the response to the State of the Union address because he's a token and they're racist. Why was he chosen to give this uh, rebuttal? He was chosen because he is the only black Republican senator. He is that person. He is the person that Republicans want to put out front because of the problem of racism in this country. And he knows that. Um, and, and, and so I was sort of disappointed that he was used in this way and um, didn't take that opportunity to address that type of issue, this type of issue head on. I mean, it's amazing. He didn't say what Sonny Hostin said. So it's bad that he was picked. Now, I promise you that when they cast The View, race was one of the things that they looked at. Right? This is true whenever you cast a show in Hollywood. To pretend that race is not a factor in casting in Hollywood is just ridiculous. Of course it is. Of course it is. They look for a particularly diverse cast. They'll say, okay, we need two white women and a black one. Like, that's how they cast these shows. So let's be real about this. People are constantly doing this in American life. The question is whether they are doing this because they wish to promote ideas about race or whether they're doing this because the person is independently qualified and has personal experience that can speak to the issue that is currently being discussed, which is the story with Tim Scott. It is significantly less racist to choose Tim Scott to, do, to give a State of the Union response address talking about his experiences with race in America than it is to choose a vice president of the United States specifically because you need to apparently appease members of your coalition because it doesn't matter which black person you pick, it just has to be a black person. Right. The, the Republicans weren't like, OK, we're just going to pick a black person and that black person, any elected black person would be fine for Democrats. It was like, OK, we need a black woman and we're going to pick a black woman. And here's a list of black people that we're going. To <laughs> they literally did this. They literally put out a list and like, well, it could be Karen Bass or it could be Val Demings. Or you remember this. They actually went through a selection process where they just came up with a list based not really on viewpoint. As long as you're on the left, it was fine. It wasn't based on viewpoint. It was just based on it had to be a person who filled this particular hole. It, 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 but it's fine when the left does it. It's fine. And in fact, it's praiseworthy when the left does it. You're not allowed to oppose it when the left does it. You're not allowed to even mention it when the left does it. It's pretty impressive stuff. And the media jump in on this as well. 
So the Washington Post issued like an all-time amazing tweet. This is an amazing, amazing tweet from the Washington Post. Quote, Senator Tim Scott accused liberals of shutting down debate and practicing discrimination. Republicans seized on his comments Thursday, while activists said he was giving cover to white supremacists. I d- like, the Washington Post is just the Democratic Party at this point. That, that they, should, they should gild that, that tweet and frame it in gold and put it up in a museum. That's how good that tweet is. Senator Tim Scott accused liberals of shutting down debate and practicing dis- discrimination. Right, so that's his accusation. Now watch as the Washington Post tries to shut down debate and practice discrimination. Republicans seized on his comments Thursday. They're always seizing. That's us. We We are great at pouncing. We are great at seizing. It is our thing. Activists said he was giving cover to white supremacists. Well, those activists, they're, they're, Republicans didn't defend Tim Scott. They seized on his comments, but activists knew. They knew that he's actually giving cover to white supremacists. And the Washington Post goes further than this. They have an entire piece titled Senator Tim Scott's Comments on Race Ignite a Fiery Debate. The piece by Cleve Woodson and Mike DeBonis says Republicans who have sometimes found themselves on the defensive in recent months when it comes to race praise the South Carolina senator for addressing the notion that Democrats and black activists are too quick to shout down those who disagree with them by calling them racist. Democrats generally treated Scott's words with caution, but many black activists who publicly criticized Scott into the wee hours Thursday morning deemed him the latest in a line of black apologists who give political and racial cover to white grievance. On Scott, uh, on Twitter, Scott was compared was compared to figures like conservative commentator Candace Owens. Whoa, whoa. I mean, whoa. You compared someone to Candace? That, that means that, that he's bad. He must be super bad if you're comparing him to Candace. Running through it all, as the Scott controversy shows, are competing premises about how far the nation needs to go to fix racial fissures and how bad the problem still is. Scott, who said he had personally experienced the pain of discrimination, said too many people suggest the country has gained no ground when it comes to civil rights. Republicans seized on the notion that Democrats are only too happy to criticize America. But the activists, the activists, they, they're fighting back because apparently he's, he's providing cover to white supremacists. I, I think that the, the very, very white Washington Post should talk about this. Jeff Bezos needs to sound off on this. Pretty impressive stuff. By the way, this is the pattern here. The pattern is the left says ridiculous things about race. And if you respond, you are the instigator. Give you a perfect example in one second. Okay, so it turns out the Biden administration is now attempting to basically push critical race theory, which is this idea that all of America's institutions are shot through with racism, that America is rooted in racism, and that all those institutions need to be torn down. The Biden administration is trying to cram that into America's education system. So the education department has now made clear that it wishes to teach Ibram X. Kendi-style grifter bullcrap. So they put out, for example, a list of the resources they are recommending that schools use. Included in that list is the 1619 Project, which is a piece of ridiculous fiction. I've gone through it in significant detail in my book, How to Destroy America, in three easy steps. I've also talked about it at length on the show. You can go back and look at the old episodes. Not only is it rooted in bad history, I mean, called out by a variety of historians from every political viewpoint, basically. I mean, for example, the original 1619 Project suggested that it was the alternative history of America, the true history of America. And then Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is a ridiculous person, immediately walked that back when she got hit by, oh, I didn't mean it was the actual history of America. I suggested that it should be read, you know, as, as sort of a, a counter and a, and a counterpart to the traditional history of America. That's not what she originally suggested. She originally suggested in her opening essay for the 1619 Project that the, that the Revolutionary War was fought in order to preserve slavery. There's no evidence of this. It's just not true, actually. It's just outright untrue. Okay, so it's a bad piece of of non-journalism and non-history. And the education department under Joe Biden wants all American school children, presumably, to learn about it. 
And the Republicans say no. The Republicans say no, well, we're going to defund this. We don't like this. How is that treated? It's treated by Politico today as though the Republicans are being aggressive. Anything Democrats do is the default. Anything Republicans do to stop that is aggressive. Republicans are always the instigators. So you'll see Democrats say things like, men are women and women are men. And Republicans are like, nope, hold up a second. We're going to stop you right there. And the media treat Republicans get aggressive on culture war issues. Like, hold up here. I was just sitting here. I was sitting here doing nothing. And then you told me that boys can be girls. And I was like, no. And you're like, oh, well, that's your fault. How dare you be so aggressive? It's like, yeah, you slap America in the face. And then America says, I don't like that. And like, you bastard. You will like it. Right? That, that's what they're doing now. Right? You're, we're going to cram down on your school kids the idea that America is systemically racist, that our true founding is not 1776, but 1619. And then we say no. And then you're like, how dare you, you aggressive jerk? How dare you start this culture war? I didn't start the culture war. I was just freaking sitting here. You keep changing the root standard of how we educate our children. You keep changing the root standard of basic logic and science. And then when we say no, you call us an aggressor. Okay, here's a perfect example. So here's Politico on Mitch McConnell saying he doesn't like the 1619 project being funded by the education department. Okay, here is the, here is the piece. McConnell takes on the 1619 project. This is from the playbook. The vaunted playbook, which by the way, I wrote once. And hundreds of political staffers called in to complain. How did I, I, I touch the vaunted political playbook? You remember this. It was just a couple months ago. Exclusive. McConnell leans into the culture wars. He says McC McConnell has started a culture war, you see. It wasn't that a bunch of aggressive leftists decided to rewrite American history and put in its place a pseudo history in which America is a great villain. No, it's that McConnell's getting aggressive. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and 37 GOP senators will call on the Education Department today to stop a proposed rule that invokes the 1619 Project, the latest turn in the culture wars. The Biden administration, citing the ongoing reckoning over race and the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on African-Americans, has proposed updating American history curricula to more fully flesh out the consequences of slavery and contributions of black Americans. Now, you got to love how Politico covers this. And so, in other words, your kid in public school has to learn that America was rooted in slavery because of the quote-unquote ongoing reckoning over race. Okay, that's completely circular. So you make a case, I say no, that's an ongoing reckoning over race. So you lose. Okay, also it's amazing how they just repeat the same phraseology. I mean, it's, it's like down to, down to the propagandistic semantics. Reckoning, it's always a reckoning. Reckoning, reckoning, reckoning. Okay. It, it seems like if we're going to have a reckoning, it kind of happened mostly in the 60s, right? When we completely reshifted the nature of American law in many good ways. Okay, and the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on African-Americans question. What does that have to do with the 1619 Project? Seriously, what does the disproportionate effect of the pandemic on African-Americans have to do with the 1619 Project? And also, why is it that you are, you're divvying this thing up by race as opposed to by class? COVID disproportionately affected low-income people. COVID does not affect black people worse than it affects everybody else. COVID is not racist. COVID's a horrible virus. It's not racist. And the, the basic notion now that everybody can get a vaccine, that the, the, the vaccination process must be disproportionately targeting non-black Americans is also a lie. What you're seeing is extreme vaccine hesitancy centralized in large parts of, of black America and the media covering for it, by the way. How many articles have you seen about how it's Tuskegee all over again and people are worried about Tuskegee all over again? It's like, well, no, that is not a good reason not to get a COVID vaccine. In any case, Politico says the lightning rod for Republicans that the proposal specifically mentions the 1619 Project, which several prominent historians have criticized. In a letter, McConnell and other senators will blast the administration for putting ill-informed advocacy ahead of historical accuracy. 
The missive comes as former President Donald Trump on Thursday called for McConnell to be replaced as leader. Oh, so it must be that he's pressured into this is what they're saying. Now, I, I do love that Politico late in this piece notes that a bunch of people who are not conservative also oppose the 1619 Project, which of course is true. But the idea here is that Republicans are always the aggressors in the culture war. Democrats get aggressive, Republicans respond, and it's all about how Republicans are the true aggressors here. Now, what's amazing about all of this is that Kamala Harris can say the same exact thing as Tim Scott about America not being racist and not receive the same flack because, of course, everybody knows that she wants to tear down America's institutions. So long as you want to tear down America's institutions, you can say whatever the hell you want. Here's Kamala Harris saying also that America's not racist, but, but America's kind of racist. I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its and its existence today. And I, I applaud the president for always having the ability and the courage, frankly, to speak the truth about it. Let's deal with it, knowing we all have so much more in common than what separates us. Um, so I, I noticed that um, this is the same president who she's praising right now is the same one she was calling a vicious racist who wouldn't let little girls like her go to school like a year and a half ago. So color me a little bit skeptical that there's any level of principle involved here. This is all just political cynicism, as always, as always. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to Kamala Harris touting the Biden administration's 100-day record, which, of course, is built on a barrage of lies. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that if you are a responsible parent, for example, if you're a husband or a wife, if you just want to keep an eye on your property, you want to make sure that you know what's going on at your house. And this is why we have ring devices on our house. And when we moved from California to Florida, my wife said, listen, I don't feel safe in the house until we have ring devices on the house. I want to be able to see the kids. I want to be able to see what's going on on our doorstep, even if we're not home. That's what ring does for us. And that's what it can do for you as well. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your doorstep with a ring video doorbell. With ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are directly from your phone. Ring has hassle-free, easy to install indoor and outdoor cams, so you'll never miss a visitor. You can keep those packages and deliveries safe. With motion detection, you'll get notified even if they don't ring the doorbell. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring will let you know, which is awesome. There's a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit right now at ring.com slash Ben. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. Don't wait. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Ben right now. It comes with that Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Ben once more. That is ring.com slash Ben to get started. All right, we're going to get to more in just one second, including... Policy blowback. There's going to be blowback to what Joe Biden is attempting right now. First, as you all know, the Daily Wire has been growing like mad. Not only did we move the whole company across the country, we also released our first feature film. We struck up a movie deal with Gina Carano and launched a brand new talk show hosted by Candace Owens, all within the last six months. Okay, this is an amazing amount of change. Right? We're over here in Florida, a great red state. Our company is based in Nashville, a great red state. And we are growing by leaps and bounds. We have big plans for what we want to do next. We've been moving at the speed of light over here. I'm excited for the future of the company. So excited. All of us here at Daily Wire want to express our gratitude to you, our audience, for making all of this possible. And we want to include you in our future plans. Every day on the show, I talk about a lot of amazing products and services from the sponsors that I love and use. But we also want to get to know you better so we can choose our sponsors with you in mind so that we can get you access to the products that you like the best. And so we can present those products to you. So please go to dailywire.com slash Shapiro. Fill out my audience survey. Tell us a little bit more about yourself to sweeten the whole experience. Those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card. You can only take that survey once per Daily Wire show. So if you want to increase your chances of winning $1,000, go listen to Michael Moles, Andrew Clavin, or Matt Walsh to get access to their surveys as well. Again, my survey link is dailywire.com slash Shapiro. We would definitely love to hear from you. Also, 
I am seriously looking forward to this upcoming Sunday special where I'll be hosting my good friend, Jordan Peterson, our favorite clinical psychologist and the author of Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. Jordan is a profound thinker and a really considered human being. And obviously the left hates his guts. And we talk a lot about that. Here's a little sneak peek of what we talked about. You're going to love it. There's a group of people who, by your own admission, are disaffected and angry and alienated and young. And I'm helping them. And why is that exactly a problem? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing with them? Just out of curiosity. What do you think? If you had your druthers, would I ignore them? It's a great Sunday special. You're going to love it. Go check it out this Sunday at dailywire.com or on my YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire members get access to special bonus content from Sunday special episodes, so don't miss out. Join Daily Wire today. Also, get ready to stream the latest episode of Candace tonight. She sits down with Dave Rubin, political commentator, best-selling author, host of The Rubin Report. They'll be discussing everything from Caitlyn Jenner's gubernatorial run to the recall of Gavin Newsom. It's definitely an episode you won't want to miss. Also, I'm on the panel, so if you love me, you will love this episode of Candace. Also, catch her Wednesday next week for an interview with a very special guest. So subscribe now. Stream Candace live on Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on Daily Wire. Get 25% off a new membership with code Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Also, make sure you grab the audio on Apple, Spotify, wherever your platform of choice may be. Just head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Candace today. Please leave us a five-star review. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So meanwhile, Kamala Harris gave an address yesterday in which she talked about what a wonderful job they've done over the first hundred days. Now, let's be real about this. They really have not done anything except for pass a bunch of spending. That's it. And that spending is superheating the economy right now, overheating the economy. We're seeing massive inflation in things like lumber. The price of lumber is up like over 100%. We're seeing commodities prices skyrocket because it turns out that there's a shortage of commodities and people can't go back to work. There's still a bunch of places where you're not allowed to go back to work. And not only that, even in places where you can go back to work, the government has basically paid you to stay home. Small business owners all over the country and big business owners actually are telling me they're having trouble finding employees to come back to work because the government has paid them so much money to not go back to work. It's truly incredible. But according to Kamala Harris, they're doing just a stellar job. Here's Kamala Harris celebrating Kamala Harris because that lady loves her some Kamala Harris. In 100 days, we have created more new jobs than any other administration in history. We have two more plans that we are working to get passed. The first is the American Jobs Plan. It will be the largest job investment that our nation has made since World War II. Because the fact is, too many people, including too many people right here in Maryland, are still out of work. So while we have made significant process, progress on the jobs front, there's so much more to be done. Um, so I, I just have a question. What did she do to generate 1.3 million new jobs? The answer, of course, is nothing. Those jobs were being created. They were being created because the pandemic is ending. But again, this is the entire shtick of the Biden administration. Jump in front of a moving parade and then lead it down a dead end like Animal House. That's exactly what this is. And it just starts piling up behind them. Right? Everybody's cheering right now, but as soon as they turn into that dead end, things are going to get really ugly. But don't worry, they're going to move faster into that wall. Here's Kamala Harris saying, we need gun laws. We need racial justice legislation. We need all the things, just everything. Let's just do it, man. Go for it. Balls to the wall. Let's do this thing. There have been too many days when we woke up to news of another mass shooting. Another black or brown person shot by the police. Another act of hate against Asian Americans. Another law designed to make it harder for people to vote. 
These are reminders that we still have so much more work to do in the fight for reasonable gun laws, in the fight for racial justice, the fight for voting rights. More stuff. All the stuff. Do more stuff. Meanwhile, the U.S. Labor Secretary has now suggested that California's brilliant idea to classify gig workers as employees, effectively attempting to kill Uber and Lyft, and then they had to create a carve-out for Uber and Lyft so they can continue to operate. They want to now extend that nationwide, which is just a genius idea. The Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh, says, quote, we are looking at it, but in a lot of cases, gig workers should be classified as employees. In some cases, they are treated respectfully. In some cases, they are not. I think it has to be consistent across the board. These companies are making profits and revenue. We want to make sure success trickles down to the worker. Okay, maybe the reason that they are making profits and revenue is because they have engaged in voluntary transactions with gig workers who will lose their jobs if you do this, which is exactly what happened in California. So here's the thing. Democrats who are actually in the business of legislating. Democrats, particularly in purple states, are beginning to look cross-eyed at what exactly the Biden administration has planned. So the ones in blue states are like, yeah, man, let's go for it. Like Chris Coons in Delaware, he's like, he doesn't care, right? He's, he's solid in his seat. He's like, wait, we can't leave policies on the table. Let's just go for it. You know, you have the opportunity once in a lifetime, man. But YOLO, here's Chris Coons. I think the president has done a great job of putting forward proposals, suggestions for how we pay for um, all of his uh, major plans, the uh, rescue plan, the jobs plan, the family plan. He's put forward ways to pay for them and turned to us and said, you're the Senate. Do your job. As he said last night, roll up your sleeves, get to work. Um, I think we need to pay for as much of it as we reasonably can, but we shouldn't leave bold proposals on the table simply because we can't come to an agreement on pay for it. I love this. I love this. He's like, we can't leave bold proposals on the table just because we have no idea how we're going to pay for things. This is just the excuse that pretty much every spendaholic has. Everybody who's ever destroyed their life through credit card debt has exactly this excuse. Every single person. Like, you know what? Listen, I understand that I don't have any money and I really don't know how to pay for this. But that is a sweet deal on that car right there. That is an amazing deal. And if I leave that deal on the table, I'm just not going to be able to live with myself. But Chris Coon's like, this is an amazing deal on spending, you know, $10 trillion. And just because we have no idea how to pay for it, I mean, we'll figure it out because life has a way. Life finds a way. But, you know, we don't really need to think about that right now. But just because we can't agree on, you know, like how we actually pay for these things, that doesn't mean that we can't just do it anyway. And meanwhile, he's in a blue state. So who cares what he thinks? It's the Democrats in purple states who are the indicator that they know they are going too far, like way too far, too fast. So Joe Manchin was asked about the State of the Union address, the the fake State of the Union that Joe Biden gave. The worst, it was the worst address to a joint session of Congress I've ever seen. He was asleep. The audience was asleep. There were seven people in there. They were all masked for no reason. So Joe Manchin was asked about this litany of spending that Joe Biden wants to do. And Manchin, who's from a red state, is like, um, no, just no on that. When you look at the overall price tag of all these proposals, it's I mean, a lot. It's a lot. I mean, we're talking trillions and trillions of dollars. Here's the thing. We've got 1.9 trillion that hasn't gone out the door yet. We just passed. American rescue. And it needs to be fully paid for? We need to pay for it. We do. I mean, we're at 28.5 trillion, almost $28.2 trillion. Now, that's not sustainable. In anybody's book, it's not sustainable. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Okay, so Manchin, who's, you know, the swing boat, he's like, nah. Nah, there's a lot of money that you're spending. Meanwhile, you got Mark Kelly, who's also in a purple state. And he put out a statement after the State of the Union address. He said, well, I share President Biden's urgency in fixing our broken immigration system. What I didn't hear tonight was a plan to address it. 
I'll continue holding this administration accountable to deliver the resources and staffing necessary for a humane, orderly process as we work to improve border security, support local economies, and fix our immigration system. So Kelly just wants to retain his seat. He's up for re-election in a couple of years. And, uh, and Kelly's thinking to himself, um, this guy is going to lose me my seat. You want to talk about Republicans pouncing? Here's where Republicans start to pounce. Because Mitch McConnell is like, basically, Biden is Bernie. Joe Biden is just giving Republicans talking points with which to run. Here's McConnell making that point. He's not trying to do anything remotely close to moderate. Uh, think of it as the Biden bait and switch. He ran as a moderate, but everything he's recommended so far has been hard left. Bernie Sanders is really happy. He, he may have lost the nomination, but he won the argument over what today's Democratic Party mm-hmm. is. But, well, more uh, taxes, more spending, more borrowing. And he's, of course, exactly right about this. And the New York Times was basically doubling down on this. You remember the headlines right after the, the speech by Biden. All the headlines were how he was going to radically transform the nature of American government, how he was going to change everything about America. The headlines from the Washington Post. Biden pitches ambitious investment in tax plans as he recasts the role of government. Okay, recast the role of government. Watch for that to be a phrase that is used in every Republican ad in 2022. The New York Times. Biden makes case to vastly expand government's role. Now, this is a positive to them, right? They're very excited about this, but that's only the New York Times readership. Everybody else in the country sees vastly expand government's role, and they're like, um, what now? I mean, like, all of the headlines are actually bad for Biden, and people in the purple states know it. It's why you've seen Val Demings backing off in Florida of the ridiculous anti-police position taken by the Democratic Party in the McKee Bryan shooting. It's why you have seen Stacey Abrams in Georgia going, yeah, this whole boycott Georgia thing, not super into it, even though I kind of endorsed it. She went back and she rewrote her own USA Today op-ed to get rid of all of the lines that basically made excuses for boycotting. And of course, USA Today went and self-edited it on her behalf because this is what our establishment media institutions do. So in the purple states, Democrats are starting to run scared. They should be running scared. They should be. Because what Biden is doing right now is going to have tremendously negative ramifications for the American economy. Most Americans are not in favor of this sort of radical change. They don't like it. Joe Biden doesn't care because he ain't going to be around to see the ramifications. So what does he care? But you know who does care? All those people in the purple states, all of those Democrats in the purple states, they're beginning to be like, I don't know about this. Meanwhile, we'll get to more on that in just one moment. First, free. You know that that word? It should mean free, which is why when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that is built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, plus mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company of excellent coverage. That coverage has been getting me through the day for the last couple of years. They're awesome. They don't hate you. So what do you have to lose? Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch over today. Joe Biden is not stopping. I mean, can't stop, won't stop. Pop star, never stop, never stopping Joe Biden. Yesterday, he did an event, an outdoor event. And at this outdoor event, aside from having weird face masking issues, which we'll get to in a second, he had this odd exchange where people were yelling at him. There were a bunch of anti-ice protesters who showed up and they started shouting at him, abolish ice, close the detention centers. 
and Biden either not hearing them or hearing them, either way is not great, immediately is like, I want to do what you guys want. Right, listen to this. This is crazy. I agree with you. I'm working on it, man. Give me another five days. And everybody cheers. Okay, they're chanting. They're chanting, abolish ICE, close all the detention centers. It's like, I'm working on it, man. Give me another five double dreams. There's a moderate, moderate. And don't, don't give me the, he's not a radical. When he's literally saying, I agree with you to people shouting at him, abolish ICE and close all the detention centers. Meanwhile, what the hell's happening on the border? Nothing good. Border State Sheriff Mark Daniels said yesterday, Biden didn't care what happens here, which is obviously true. We hear the people's voices. We're going to do our job. They didn't hear what they needed to hear last night from the president. We had, we expected to hear more. We didn't get that from them. And that shows you this presidency doesn't care about what's happening here, but the sheriffs do. And we're going to continue to stand up for the people and for America. Okay. And by the way, how bad is the situation on the border? So in the middle of an interview, a live interview with a Texas rancher on the border, in the middle of this live interview with Dana Perino, this Texas rancher, his name is John Sewell, he was interrupted because the Border Patrol was chasing illegal immigrants across his property in like the background. Okay, this is just a Mel Brooks comedy at this point. Here, here, is, the, here is the Fox News interview that went viral yesterday. Dana, I'm sorry. I had a group of guys coming through looking for some immigrants. Um, you're going to have to put it back at me again. But I, I, I would, I'm just going to tell you. Go ahead. That, that we, I'm just going to tell you that we don't have, you know, we're not getting the, the support as the U.S. This is not fanning out good for us. We're under siege here. And when I say that, I, I've already caught three this morning before breakfast, you know. He's talking about illegal immigrants crossing his property. Biden doesn't give a crap about that. Because for Biden, it's all about what can I do that's radical right now. And, you know, he's going to be a one-term president. He knows he's going to be a one-term president. So he get it all done right now. And what he's going to do also in order to get it all done right now is prolong the feeling of panic. So Biden continues to promote ridiculous ideas about face masking. His, his own CDC says you don't have to mask when you're outdoors, right? The CDC is way too cautious, by the way. I mean, that, that's not me saying that. That's the Washington Post saying that. The Health 202 by Paige Cunningham today. CDC's mask guidance is still too strict for the vaccinated, some experts say. Okay, but even the CDC's too strict standards say that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside. Uh, so here is Joe Biden literally yesterday, literally yesterday, masking outside. And then when he takes off his mask and he can't find it again, then he's like, oh, they're going to put me in trouble. I probably no more matlock for me. This is your bad regime. Here he is. Where's my mask? Can't find it. You're vaccinated. I love the music in the background. It's really, I can't find my mask. It's good. Oh, God. You're vaccinated outside. I'm looking for my mask. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Where's my mask? I don't know what's going on. You don't need it. You're outside. You're vaccinated. The hell. But again, the, the, the whole goal here is to make it feel as though the pandemic is never over. It's the never ending pandemic. It's not just me saying this. It's not a right left thing. This is a science thing. Here's CNN's medical analyst saying Joe Biden is consistently sending the wrong message about this stuff. Right? This is the, the CNN medical analyst. This is Leanna Wen. She says, with masks and distancing, Biden's speech sent the wrong message about the power of our vaccines. Yeah, no bleep. Some of us have been saying this. And by the way, there have been people attempting to ban us for saying that for a while here. But this is the game. The game is you pretend that this is still a crisis. You can ram through all of this stuff. 
Fine, do it. Fine, seriously, do it. We'll see how it works out for you. It's a bold move, Cotton. We'll see how it works out for you in the 2022 election cycle. All righty, we will be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. First, don't forget to end your week by checking out The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew's show is every Friday. He's got an exciting evening planned for you. So head on over to dailywire.com this evening, 7 p.m. Eastern. Tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs> 